We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the newest episode of Draft Class. I'm Chris Percy Island here to welcome y'all in. I am so excited for this week. I want to make sure y'all know that there is a full Draft Class lottery big board out right now. That's my top 14 guys in this draft. <laughs> that graphic is beautiful, and I want y'all to go check that out. It gives y'all a little context behind the episodes, you know, my thoughts on these guys, where I have them ranked. And it also just, I don't know if you're not a big board person, maybe it'll inspire you to do one of your own. I think they're super fun. And I think they're super fun to look back on and to make fun of yourself for. For example, in I talked about this with Zach Noble last week for the 2020 NBA draft. I had Denny Avdia 11, OB 12. I know Desmond Bain 11, OB 12. Uh, Avdia 13, Wiseman 14, Halliburton 15. Like it was just like all over the place. But I, you know, I was right on, on Bane and right on Obi, but maybe too low on Obi. And maybe, you know, it still got to see like stuff is fun for me, man. So there's a full lottery big board out right now. Draft class, KFS branded. Y'all know the vibes. Make sure you check that out. And I, besides that, welcome into draft class, man. It's, it's nice to have y'all back uh, for this week's session. <laughs> I've got a really special guest this week. As usual, the draft class guest list roster grows and it grows more legendary with who today's guest is. Got to meet him in person for the first time after game two last year, that amazing win. And we've been talking Knicks all the time since. So another member of the Strickland here on draft class. I can't wait for y'all to get to listen to my interview with Stacey Patton. Here it is. Joining me now on the newest episode of Draft Class is first, a friend of mine from Nick's Twitter, and second, someone that you all know very well from his work over at the Strickland, one of the hosts over at the Strickland Podcast Network, a contributor to the main site itself. We've got Stacy Patton on this week's episode of DC. Stacy, how are we doing, man? Doing really well. Uh, long time listener. So very, uh, very excited uh, to make my KFS debut, um, but especially draft class. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think we've done a pod together, period. So obviously on group chats and all of that. So uh, very excited. 
Uh, yeah, man, I know we we chat a lot of hoops, but but never gotten a chance to to do it behind the mics. So I'm glad, uh, you know, I just I tell all my guests this: like, it's so cool to go from listener of their show to host, you know, like co-host uh, on my own with them. That that's always really cool, uh, and something I I definitely don't take for granted and appreciate. You know, the the, the opportunity just to even sit and talk with you here is is awesome. Uh, so thank you for coming on. You know, first and foremost, I've been starting off every episode of Draft Class with what I call an autopsy of the you know the state of the New York Knicks, the current young core. But with the focus on the young core, and we know you and I both are high on this young core in terms of relating our opinions to the consensus, um, uh, the words career sixth man, both uh, cause like a nerve to pop. <laughs> I like us. IQ in his role. In his role. <laughs> All right. So I got to, I got to start with him. I I even wrote this in my notes. We've got to start with quick. Um, And we've got to just, you know, give you a shot to share some of your thoughts on him, his ceiling and why you think it's wrong to put one on him. Um, And, and, you know, is he stopping you from drafting other guards? A lot of people, you know, the, the, the prez movement of stop mocking tie tie to the Knicks. Uh, how, How do you feel about all that? How do you feel about quickly, First on his own, and then second, how he's affecting your draft philosophy. Yeah, so on his own, um, I mean, I've said this a bunch before, but even early in the season, and he went through a shooting slump to end all shooting slumps, right? Um, you know, it was really bad. Um, but I kept the two things that stuck out were his pull-up shooting stats never really went that low. Um, he's not an amazing pull-up three-point shooter, like just at least from percentages. He gets off a lot. But his pull-up shooting percentages were in line with last year. It's just last year was a 46% spot-up shooter on threes. And he went to um he went all the way down to I think 33. I think he was really low. Uh he obviously picked up at the end of the season. But for me, I don't think there was anything mechanical. I think sometimes dudes just miss wide open shots. And it probably like last season, I probably would have downgraded to I think he had the potential to be an elite shooter. I'd probably put him closer to very good shooter. That's how I see him ending up, but versatile, right? So I'd rather have somebody who's versatile, who can pull up and who can get the volume than someone who is like a, a 43% shooter, but can only hit standstill, right? Uh, and that's really, so IQ gives you that. But if you looked beyond the shooting, he was still positive on off and he was impacting the game in a number of um, ways. Yeah, defensively too, both ends of the court. I, yeah. I make that point all the time that that he makes the team better on both ends of the court, even when he's not shooting well, which is just like, hey, maybe he's good at, yeah. and, and at his, the ball and hoop game. And his passing and defense took a legitimate leap that I don't think people um you know fully appreciated until um until the, the shooting came around. And then it was like, oh yeah, like he figured it out. That's why when everyone was like, I think he's struggling to handle the point guard aspects, I was like, no, like the passing, the distributing, even getting to the rim has improved. He's just missing shots. You know, that has very little to do, um, has very little to do with his, um, with his point guarding game. Right. Uh, so, so how does that impact how I look at the draft? Right. So I think quickly, like, I'm not willing to say he's a guaranteed starter because I don't think you can say that about most. I'm, it's the same reason why a certain someone who doesn't like IQ uh, said, well, you don't think the Knicks have a star on the roster. What do you call RJ Barrett? He's not a star yet. And I don't think you can act like he's going to be. 
But it does impact my draft position from this. The Knicks have quickly Deuce McBride and Yokubaitis at the point guard position. And all three have some overlap. IQ and Deuce in particular, very good on-ball defenders. Neither has shown the ability to attack the rim at volume. Um, both can guard multiple positions. Yokubaitis is probably right now looks like the best rim pressure guy. IQ took a leap at the end. Like he was legitimately getting to the rim a lot. We'll yeah. see if that continues next year. But if I was going to draft a guard, um, it would be someone in that mold. It'd probably be someone a little bit bigger. Um, there is a point guard in this draft who I would love on the Knicks. Um, but, um, but like the thing with Ty Ty, right. Um, is that he's, he's very much in that mold. I like him as a prospect, but he's a pull-up. She, he was a terrific mid-range pull-up shooter, solid passer with a high assist to turnover ratio. But I mean, I didn't, he wasn't a spectacular passer. He's fine as a defender, solid, not quite the kind of tenacity you've seen from past Kentucky guards, like particularly Max and quickly, but he's a good defender, smart player. Like I could see him being a quality rotation guard in the league for 10 years. Um, but I think a, that doesn't provide a different look from the guards. The Knicks already have. And B, I think you want to take more of a home run swing in general. Like the big missing piece is freakish wings with some, some, you know, some creation ability. So. Absolutely. I, I agree. We've talked a lot. Even when I had Schwinn on draft class, we talked a lot about the prospect of, trying to swing and then hit it out of the park with this one, even if it means, uh, you know, you get a meatball thrown at you and you swing at it stupidly. Yeah, you might miss, but it's worth it. Uh, and, and I think that where the Knicks are right now is, is a big part of that, right? I think that where we are with our young core in terms of we like the guys we have, but we know there are missing aspects, right? Like, I going into last year's draft really wanted them to walk out of it with a twitchy wing project a la Zaire Williams, right? That didn't happen. All those guys were gone by the time they picked. And, and what did they do? They, they parlayed that pick into Cam Reddish, which is a long twitchy wing project, right? So there are little, you know, there, there are aspects of, of this young core that I think are certainly missing. Um, but I, I still really like what we've got, you know, Grimes talk about, I like him in his role. Yeah. That's the guy I love in his role and, and who I think is really versatile in terms of what lineups he can play with in regards to those wings. Is there a type of wing, a kind of wing specifically that, that you'd really love to add to this core? I know RJ cam Grimes. I uh, talk about them a lot on here as a, a fun and complimentary core of wings, but I mentioned how like we're kind of missing a, a Tari Eason or even a, a Sohan, either of those types of guys. We don't we don't have one. What do you think about that? Is there someone in this class that jumps off the screen to you as uh, the Knicks could really benefit from adding this kind of player? Yeah, I mean, I think look at Boston and Toronto's rosters. We just lack wings like that. Cam is the only one. And I'm talking like Toronto can send an army of 6'10 guys, right? Um, so, um, Boston, not quite the same, but Brown is six, seven, um, Tatum is six, eight, right. Grant Williams fits that mold is like, he plays the four a lot for them, but he's a versatile. So just freakishly long dudes with athleticism. And I do think you need to be offensively versatile. Like you can find that guy, but if there are nothing on offense or if they hurt your spacing, um, so those are the, and like RJ, so the guys you mentioned, like I, this is not a knock on Quentin Grimes, but he is six, five. With this, like he is smaller than Johnny Davis. Uh, he plays much bigger. I'm very comfortable putting him one to three because of his strength. There's probably some fours he could guard. Yep. Like um, we saw a certain four who will not be named 
who was for the Knicks, uh, who was seven foot three and got locked up by Marcus Smart. I could see Grimes doing those kind of things. It probably says as much about the player in question as it does about Marcus Smart or Grimes. But the point <laughs> is, um, like, the point is, like, he's not that freakish guy who's going to generate a ton of steals off ball. Cam brought that. You saw that even though he's far from a finished product, he gave you that. And RJ, like, RJ is. He's like good size for a three, average size, but he's not freakish to the big. He's big for a two guard, but you don't have the kind and the kind of the guys you mentioned are exactly in that mold. Sohan and he, I mean, Eason is the guy that jumps. And I'm like, 10 years from now, I could just see teams kicking themselves for not taking this guy. Like he pops off the screen. Athleticism, six eight. He's got Kawhi Leonard sized hands. Uh, he can't go, he can't go left, like fine. Like he does everything else at a high level. Um, I think he's a pretty smart player who like is just too like I think his turnovers and defensive lapses have more to do with being too ambitious than a lack of feel. Right. Um, other than that, um, so I think they they do need wings like that. So those are the two guys in that mold. Dyson, I think Dyson Daniels is another guy. A lot of Knicks fans talk up, and all three are project to be high high level defenders who can guard one through four. In Eason's case and Sohan's case, maybe one through five someday. Um. And then the only other thing I'd add is besides that that type of wing, the Knicks do need a proven three-level scorer. Um, quickly is still improving at the rim. Like I think he's capable of taking that leap. But I'm again, I'm like I said before, I'm not gonna pass on someone who can give me that. Right. Just, I think he quickly can develop that independent of whether you take a guy who can do that. Uh, RJ, right now, I'm not willing to say he has a mid-range game at all. Um, that's something that he needs to work on. Um, so so that that is why if you got a wing that could score at three levels, which those are still open questions for Eason and certainly Sohan, um, that's why I would probably prioritize before them a guy like Johnny Davis, who is true wing size. Like he is the size of a lot of he's basically the same size as RJ Barrett, maybe an inch smaller, stronger yeah, I was than Ox. Say RJ is probably like six six and a half. He grew a little bit since he got drafted. Yeah, RJ is probably like six seven. Davis like six six with like a six nine wingspan. I think RJ is six seven six ten. Yep. So like so I think you could get away with Davis playing the three, and because of that motor, he's gonna be fine. But he would give the Knicks a legitimate three level scorer, which they also do need, ideally from that wing position. So um, those are the guys that uh, I think Davis is the dream. Uh, if they don't get him, I think my dream scenario would be trade to thirteen and fifteen, and take um, Eason and Jalen Williams. But uh, yeah, I mean. I'll stop there. I talked a lot, but uh, yeah, curious, uh, curious your thoughts too. No, uh, that 13 and 15 thing, man. Talk, I know, and we're going to get into this. Don't worry. I know you, you're going to wince, but I'd go double Williams there and not Alondis. I'd go Mark and Jalen. Um, and, and if you've got two firsts, all right, why not use one on a center? If you're still walking out with the wing bet with the other, I do think, and again, we'll get to this, but if you've got one first round pick and you use it on a center, okay, that's a little unmotivating when you're in the lottery. Right. But if you trade down and walk away with Jalen Williams and Mark, okay, well now, now you're talking, right? So I think there are certainly some really interesting and, and smart ways the Knicks can go about this with, with dice. You would do that even if Eason was available. Oh, Eason, I'm taking over either of those guys. Yeah. E- Eason, yeah. Eason, so you're I'm assuming taking... if we trade down Eason, it's not going to be there. I, you know, Prez and I are terrified that he's going to fall to Memphis at 22. And the news coming out surrounding his workouts, I included a note on this on my first, the, the, the draft class lottery board 1.0 came out and Antari was one of the highlighted players because he's not having good workouts from everything I'm hearing 
And it's from, you know, bad habits he picked up at LSU play. Like, it's just like, it's not going well for him in the pre-draft process. But I talked about this with the, the upside swings guys, my guys, Coop and Bryce. Uh, Tari's not a open gym workout guy. You know, the, some of the stuff that you're really impressed with from Tari uh, are, are his instincts, his ability to screw things up for the offense, just getting a, one of those long ass arms in there and, and breaking things up. That's not going to show in a one on none workout, right? You're not going to be able to make other guys look like idiots with your size and instincts. Uh, if you're playing against a ghost. So I, I get why Tari's workouts aren't going incredibly, especially if teams aren't in love with, you know, the, the maybe who he's been at LSU, but I am not passing on that combination of, of size and length. Personally, I just, you know, we, you've got lottery tickets, right? I see these as lottery tickets. And especially with, like I mentioned earlier, with where the Knicks are now, I, I don't see something wrong with trying to use one and get the biggest prize up at the top. You know, like the kid behind me can get the little water gun. Like I'm going for the iPad, right? I, I don't care if it ends up being fake. I, I went for the iPad, <laughs> you know, uh, with Dyson Daniels, something I wanted to include on him is I changed my designation for him on the draft class board. I do like those little descriptors for players. You know, Paolo was a masterful big scorer. And and that like is how I try to describe guys. I used to have Dyson as a defending lead guard, which is what people kind of seem to project him as. I switched it to do it all wing with creation upside. Because I think that's kind of more of the player he's going to be. I don't see him demanding all those touches with the ball in his hands. I I know he gets comped to LaMelo and Giddy a lot for Aussie reasons, but I'm not there at all on either of those guys as a comp for him. I, I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to do it as a, as a wink that has the plus passing chops and not as someone who, even like Jamal Murray, like is not you know, a primary ball handler, but still has the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know if I see that with Dyson. So you you bring and is that more as, related to the burst or is that related to lack of ball handling, creativity? All of it. The the, the athleticism is a big thing for me. And I, I've just talked about on cap or no cap with Jeremy about how much that matters to me, especially with where we are as a team taking swings on athletic guys that you think your great coaching staff can unlock another tier of play out of. Um, I, I love those bets for, for where the Knicks are now. So yeah, Dyson, I don't know if I project him as this, you know, ball dominant you know, guy that you just, he dribbles all game and is just finding and diming guys. And I hope he proves me wrong because that would be a really fun player. Six eleven wingspan, just under it, six, seven and a half. He measured in at like, that's yeah, that's, that would be really fun. Right. I just, I'm not is willing to project him as being this ball dominant guy as some of his biggest fans are, which is why I think he would be a great candidate for the Knicks as a wing ad, right? You know, the, the connector, six, right? Half six, 11 wingspan. Hey, that's, that's a really, that's a really promising combination, especially with those passing chops. So I, I agree with you there that, you know, we could, we could be best served adding a wing who can do stuff we don't have. And, and some of that comes from just straight up, measurements right like what you said about grimes rj not being the most lengthy wing ever um uh, you know there are even guys like uzman jiang yeah i was that, just gonna mention him too, that's yeah. that serve as interesting home run swings prez did an absolutely phenomenal article on uzman breaking down his game and with complete with all the clips you need. I just great stuff from him there. I got a shout out draft classes, first guest. 
Um, but you know, that, that, that's something I'd like is I'd like a swing like that, like Jay. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I agree with that a lot. Like with Daniels, I see him, he's a different player, but in that Halliburton or Lonzo type mold. Yes, I, yes, yes. Uh, and I think he could be really fun. I think Prez was like, Prez and me talked about this and he was like, well, what if Dyson is just six, eight Caruso? And I'm like, that actually sounds pretty awesome. Like a six foot eight Alex Crusoe. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, but like, I think Knicks fans who were like, oh my God, we're going to have a six, eight guard, you know, like uh, Luca or like, but that's what's in vogue, right? Like Tatum, Luca, um, Luca, I mean, Tatum isn't a point guard, but he's that, you know, wing dominant guy. 13 assists last night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most in a finals debut ever is good enough for me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, like they don't have that player. Um, but you know, but they also need they need better passers too. I mean, who who are the the plus passers on the Knicks? You have Obi. IQ is probably the second best passer. Well, Rose if he's healthy. Rose is probably the best passer on the Knicks if he's healthy. But it's really Obi, and then especially on the wings, like RJ has had some great flashes. But you know, we saw the difficulties with Randall in terms of processing. And I'm not talking about just assist totals. I'm talking about guys who can who can grease the gears of the offense, right? Um, and you saw how much, like when the second unit could get out and run and they had a lot, like Grimes is a pretty solid passer. Like he can make quick decisions. Daniels is another guy who can get out, you know, another guy who can probably throw the touchdown pass to Obi quite a bit. Um, those are the things that are similar to Halliburton. Jeng is interesting. That is a home run swing. And I think the more I read, especially when what Pez was saying, having watched the tape, like. If you if you buy the shot and there's no mechanical reason not to buy the jump shot, uh, now I said this. There's another guy named Alexei Pokusevsky who also had a mechanical sound shot, and it, he didn't translate as a shooter. But Dieng is much more productive than Poku ever was. Very smart player. Um, I think like he needs strength, but I think the handle to get to the rim and the athleticism is there. Um, and he's six foot ten. I mean, that's the kind of guy you could. You know, you could look back again five, ten years, and you're like, yeah, this is like I would say he has more of a potential to be that on-ball guy, or like a high-volume wing scorer, even if he's not a point guard, uh, than Dyson for sure. Yeah, I think you know that that growth curve for him is kind of just pointing straight up. If that's what you're buying, uh, Uzman between the size, the, the instincts uh, with the ball in his hands, like everything, just would if you buy it all come together lift each other up and, and help him just kind of become a master of of the floor out there definitely a home run swing i want to talk about a home run swing that would require a really expensive trip to get a new bat and and that bat would be the fourth overall pick with which to swing lots of rumors Man, lots of rumors about letting some ivy grow in our Madison Square Garden. Uh, do you want to move up? <laughs> like, is that something you're interested in? Are you, what are you willing to include in that package? Like, I asked Swin this: would including future firsts and getting ourselves involved with the Stepien rule, like, would that be something that bothered you if it meant we walked out of the draft with ivy, or you just wouldn't care? That's a good question. Um, so let's start with what I won't touch. Uh, I'm not trading IQ. Um, I'm not trading RJ. I'd have to think hard if, if we, about Obi, I would really have to think hard. I'm not so sure that Sacramento would want him. I don't love that fit with Sabonis, but although it'd be a lot of fun on offense, I, I think they would probably give up 
150 points a game. Um, I was going to say 151. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, IQ and RJ are the only two real untouchables. Next year, um, I would start with the Dallas. I would start with something like the Dallas pick, Grimes, and maybe another future first. But next year's draft, given how stacked it's going to be, uh, and given that it's quite likely the Knicks are, are in the lottery again, especially if they're unable to sign a guy like Brunson, um, you know, I think it's there. We have to be prepared for the possibility that the Knicks just say we're going to run it back, um, and you know, see what happens, and then the contracts of Burks. And, and Noel and, and, you know, those guys come off the books the next year. Um, you know, they might just take next year as like, let's see what we have in the kids uh, and kind of scale Randall back or, you know, whatever they'd end up doing with him. Um, but I would start with the Dallas pick um, Grimes. Um, I, I don't think we can trade Mitch, right? We can't trade Mitch in a draft night deal. Um, and Cam, something like that. Um, and then if you have to add future firsts, I would prefer to do 2024. Um, you could do, you could do Dallas 2024 and like 2026, but, um, you know, and I, and I would protect those top 10, but that's where I'm at. Like, I don't want to sell the farm. Um, especially I do like Ivy a lot. He would be a game changing player. Yep. But I think there are other guys that, that might be there at 11 um, that could be. Uh, you mentioned Diang. He's a two to three year project probably, but when he gets there, he should be really good. Um, Eason could be that guy. I'll tell you what, we love Jaden Ivey and I think he, I have him above on my board. There's a guy who gave him 37 and 14 who might be available for us. And his name is Johnny Davis. Yep. And he's not the athlete Jaden Ivey is, but he's a better athlete he's than given credit for. I tweeted this. If if Johnny Davis's jersey had Kentucky on the front instead of Wisconsin, people are not going to say, he does, he's not a great athlete. Watch his tape. The guy can get up. He's not going to like yam on Rudy Gobert on the reg, but he's very <laughs> quick. Um, he he's, a, he's really good at getting off the ground for shot blocking. Like he just, he gets off the ground real quick. Um, his raw vert may not be that great, but he's a plus athlete. He'd be one of the better. He's probably close to Grimes as an athlete. I think he's that like, uh, he's a lot like Quentin Grimes. That's I think a, like my comp for him, except if you just turned Quentin Grimes from a, a versatile catch and shoot three point shooter, if you just gave him the exact opposite game on offense, but like in terms of build and athleticism and how they play on defense, they're very similar. So, yeah, I love Johnny. I believe I've, given that Wisco Kentucky quote on draft class to, to, one, to one of my guests. Cause I loved that tweet. Um, my favorite comparison for Johnny is that he just straight up looks like an edge rusher when he's getting around screens. Like if you look at the ways in which he's able to contort himself yeah. uh, and, and not fall over, right? Like I I'd, I'd try to turn a corner that fast and I'd end up on my ass in two yeah. seconds. Right. He looks like uh, someone who belongs in the NFL <laughs> yeah. trying to get around a screen. And then you remember he's six, five, almost six, six. Oh wait, he is built like an edge rusher. Like he, <laughs> he's, he's really cool. And I think he'd look good in that Wisconsin three, four, you know? So <laughs> yeah, man, I think, I think Johnny is falling victim to some of the same 
draft isms that that Obi did in the sense that people are like, hey, look at this amazing production. Here's why it's not going to happen at the next level for this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. I was very guilty of that with Obi, by the way. So. I, I had Obi. I had Obi twelve. So for all the for all the hate I gave him on Twitter for his defense, I still really liked him. I just Bakri liked him way too much for my liking, so I had to take on this oppositional stance and be like the devil on his shoulder. Uh, but I I liked Obi a fair bit, just not. As a defender, and you know what? He ended up better than I than I thought he would this soon. So with Johnny, I feel like people are scared of him because he's not dunking on people like Shaden does. And that's the one I'm, we're gonna talk about just in a second. But with 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 Davis, I, I think he would be an amazing pick at 11. Um I have him over Matherin on my big board. And if me you too. know, if you know worldwide stress on Twitter, he said that me doing that is the ultimate, like Michael Scott, two middle fingers up to, <laughs> to the entire draft community and that he loves it. Um, and yeah, like I think Matherin's really cool. I think he would be a cool pick for the Knicks at 11, but I also think he's going to be gone by like eight because teams are super high on him, maybe detrimentally because they think he's so safe of a pick uh, just because of the athleticism and, and how a and lot of times, him. yeah, with uh, but I, even I think the shooting's a little overrated. He shot 29% on uncontested catch and shoot jumpers. So it's like who? I, I think that's randomness. I mean, watch the guy shoot. Like, oh, he, I think like he healed, he's like a better, more athletic healed. I do think he'll have like the defense is what I think people overrate because there are some bad moments. Yeah. Oh, good athleticism means elite defender in four years. Like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> tone it down. <laughs> I mean, if he went to San Antonio, I would bet on him being a great defender. But you know, it also depends where you go. But um, come play for Tom Tips. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I want to get to another trade up candidate. Uh, just mentioned him popular in Nick fan circles, especially because of his BBN affiliation. Uh, he's been universally deemed the Kentucky mystery man of the draft. Mr. Shade and sharp talk about athleticism, right? He's kind of an interesting case. there. not anything short of an absolutely incredible vertical athlete, right? Like he, he is an absolutely incredible like you cannot believe <laughs> how great of a vertical athlete he is and then you watch him do a first step and you're like oh that looked like 39 year old george hill <laughs> and was 39 year old george hill blowing by alonzo trier yes <laughs> does that mean that he's you know the paragon for athleticism no right shaded doesn't look i'm pretty sure you could blow by alonzo trier so <laughs> <laughs> i threw i threw a jr smith cop out there for shaded the other day. And the more I think about it, the less I hate it. I, I don't know. How, how do you, how would you, how do you feel about shaded and how would you feel about the Knicks paying up to trade up for him? Are you buying that hype? Yeah, I think that's a great, I don't know if the whole, I think he has more in terms of the whole package. I don't think JR was quite that long. I think sharp is probably a seven foot wingspan guy. Um, I expect him to be a more impactful defender than certainly early career J.R. Smith was. I mean, that that one season where it all clicked for, for J.R. on the Knicks, that was like, I think that was peak J.R. Smith, right? Not just, he was the most effort he showed on defense. Um, he actually made really good decisions with the ball. Um, I, I loved him that year. But I think the phenomenon you described, right, where it's a, 
you know, insane vertical athlete, but a slow first step. That is something that always drove me crazy with J.R. Smith because it seemed like he could never just blow by a dude. So like you would see him do that extremely slow, um, you know, hard dribble and then step back. Right. He loved that. And it just yep. looked like it was a slow motion. And he really got it off more because of his release, uh, because of how high and quick his releases than like actual ball handling or like lateral agility. I'm not sure it's that pronounced with sharp yet. And I'm not sure it has to do as much with burst or the fact that his ball handling is still a work in progress. Um, I will say like the improvements he made over his high school career are going to be like, we've seen the Knicks prioritize work ethic and intangibles a lot. Even last year, the fact that Grimes, the guys they like Grimes and deuce and bones, like, I think they all played, um, they all played in the, um, the scrimmages, which a lot of like the fact that I think that that matters to them guys who play. Um, I think Schmitz and Giveny both t- tweeted, you know, it, it, it says something about a player. Um, they, I think Deuce was dominant. Uh, no, Grimes was dominant. Obviously Grimes, took yeah. him. Um, but the other guy who they were very rumored to be interested in was Bones Highland, who was also dominant. I think if they could have, they would have tried to get him, but they probably figured they were, they needed Grimes. They probably preferred a little bit Grimes and probably thought, you know, Deuce would be there at 36. And, and they had quickly. So, uh, you know, they, I, I would have been fine with quickly and Bones. Oh, backwards. I would have bombed away. I would have loved quickly in bones. 20 I, logo threes in a night. I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> um, uh, I, that's why they got Turkavian Smith. I wouldn't mind that either because he, he's kind of in that mold too. Um, but um, so with Sharp, I think the improvement he showed over high school is important. I do expect him to be a plus defender, even though it hasn't come to fruition yet. Um, and like I think Sharp has the chance to be what people think Matherin is, which is a high-level elite athlete defender with some creation ability and like a pull-up game. Um, but I think it is worth questioning. The guy hasn't played really in over a year. Why didn't he play? I think the fact that he didn't play in those combine scrimmages, as I just said, is not going to be something Walt Perrin is impressed by. Uh, I think they will add, they'll probably interview him. They're going to do their due diligence. But I think that becomes a thing. Would I trade up for him at this point? I'm starting to say no. Um, and I'm starting to feel like I think he is in the top five, but um, you know I, I think that trading up for anyone below Ivy is is a tough sell for me because I think five to eleven, five to twelve, five to thirteen is a pretty close group. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
here's another person. Of, I don't know if you want to talk more about Sharp, but there is another player who was consensus top five, who Sharp has probably displaced, was an elite prospect in high school, um, kind of at a different game. Uh, I'm talking about AJ Griffin. Love uh, him here on draft class. That is the number one target here on draft class at 11. That's who we've been praying. This is week eight of draft class. This is week eight of group prayer that AJ falls to 11. So go, go he, ahead, man. Would you trade up for him? And would you put him over sharp at this point? That's another question. I have sharp five and AJ six on, on my board. So as of right now, those two guys are are back to back. And and I moved Ivy over sharp because uh, ultimately the, the being able to get to the cup without a screen thing, you know, like that's, that's a thing. <laughs> um, and, and sharp has some development to do, especially on the defensive end to make some of those offensive things he doesn't have worth it. Uh, I, I don't know if he's the passer or if he's the defender to, to be super high on Shaden like that. AJ, I love, I, I think opposite RJ on the wing, like the RJ AJ duo is literally my dream outcome for this draft. You're not a Duke fan, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I just love those two guys. And I know AJ is from nearby. Um, you know, Stepanak, Westchester, all that, uh, maybe if he wasn't going to play at first, he wouldn't have a problem with having his family courtside at every game in Westchester for the, the first half of the year, maybe. And then at the deadline, we make a move and open a spot for him. Like, it, I just, well, his dad, his dad coaches for the Raptors, right? Yeah. And, and he was getting interest from the Lakers as a potential head coach. So, so they interviewed him and, uh, yeah, his dad's a definitely a big, a big deal. I didn't know he was from White Plains. Yeah, that's this is my uh, this is my neck of the woods. Wow. Yeah, he's from he's from right nearby. Um, I I would love he wouldn't that. have a problem going to the the dreaded Terrytown facility. No, you know? he wouldn't. No, he would. He, <laughs> he would stop love, home for lunch. He would love the dreaded Terrytown facility. I, you know, I I think AJ would be amazing. Would I trade up for him? All about cost. All about cost. Ivy, someone who, okay, I could trade up for him and, and pay whatever the cost is so long as my certain untouchables are still on the team. I'm able to use picks and not players, yada, yada. AJ is someone who I feel like because Johnny might be there, because Tari will definitely probably be there at 11, different guys like that. Yeah, I'm way higher on AJ than those guys. And I think I make the point on here all the time and I made it on my board that I think that he already regained his athleticism and he was just afraid to test the limits, test the boundaries of it. I don't think that, you know, he was a, a, just totally cooked from injury, but the things like the lateral movement, the, the defense. Okay. Well, those are concerns that I, I think are actually really legitimate. And, and you don't think they're going away with more time to rehab. Uh, They'll get better. They they'll the, the the lateral movement will get better, but how much better can that get? Right, like we you know we Prez Prez has been begging for years to get Obi and hot yoga. Finally, the <laughs> the, the Messiah JB took him and Quick for a day, and and we're gonna see that kid be able to move sideways a little bit now. Um, but with sorry with AJ, I think that trading up to where he would be. Okay. If he falls to eight and new Orleans is there and they're saying, Hey, we've got enough injury risk with the Duke kid already. Um, we're good, but New York, you want to trade up, just slide us 11 and that Dallas first. And you are here. And AJ Griffin is yours, man. I am 
probably putting in that call. <laughs> but you know, if it's if, if I get a call from Weaver, uh, who I know likes Shade and Sharp, and he says, "I watched the tape. I freaking hate this kid now," and I'm going AJ Griffin right now at five, unless you drop me the eleventh pick, Obi Toppin, the Dallas first. And, and two second rounders, three, you know, like, I'll be like, okay, enjoy AJ, man. I hope he does well with Kate. Like I can't, I, 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 I got a certain point. I can't be bending over backwards to, to, for a shot at a guy being good. You know, I, I always try to remember draft picks are really valuable until they turn into a name. Uh, and when you're trading up, you're paying the price for the draft pick, not for the name. And that's, and it, yeah, that's good. That's tough, especially with the front office obsessed with with winning every trade from a value perspective. Uh, I, I not only can I not see it happening, but I, I don't think I would do it myself just because of that that cost and what I know. We want to build this team in a way where picks are going to get used to turn into good players. They are not going to be drafting with every single first round pick. They are going to be cashing them in once it's time to flip the switch and turn competitive. They're going to get really competitive with these trades. This is why I care a lot about not getting too sticky with the Stepien rule. Um, I, I'm not interested in using several future firsts to move up to seven with Portland. You know, like I just I I can't be sold on totally hampering the path that I think we're taking to sustainable long-term contention. And that's going to be my, my top priority over anything. Yeah. And, and I mean, Aller seems to obviously hold this philosophy. Everyone complained that the Knicks didn't use the 19th pick last year. Um, but I think they value having future picks. Um, you said it yourself. Once the draft pick turns into a name, it's less valuable. Uh, for the most part, I think that Insert like a guy like LaMelo Ball is probably more valuable than the third pick was, but you know, like for the most part, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna see that happen. Um, so I think they're gonna value it if you're really like, we need to get Ivy at all costs, even if it costs us a 2023 unprotected pick. Um, I would suggest uh, YouTube, everyone talks about Victor Ramanyama, that, that draft class is so much more than him. Oh, you talk yeah. about Scoot, the Thompson twins, um, they just can fly. Amen Thompson is uh, I'm going to start is a New York Nick. I will start speaking that into existence now. Amen. Yeah. I, I I know it's mean to pick favorites of twins, but Amen really moves me, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I take them both, but, uh, but there was a clip that someone put up just of, of, of Osar. Um, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I think it's Osar, right? Um, and he just like from like, he took one step inside the free throw line and he just like glided. He flew. Where he looked like Tony Stark powering up his boots, right? And just floating into the air. Uh, and like, I mean, there's seven or eight guys who I think would probably be in contention for the top pick this year. Um, and so, yeah, you don't want to trade an un, you, like, I know people are um, impatient. Ivy looks like a very special player who would light the garden on fire, but ultimately they're not going to mortgage the future. Um, so I think that that's, that's um that's unlikely to happen, and I think that, I mean this happens every year, right? As soon as you then you you resign yourself to the Knicks being at pick eight or pick eleven or whatever, you're like, well, actually, we could get a star here, right? That's not always how it works out in reality, but um, but there's somebody said that usually there is a guy in every draft, and at times the current uh, the current draft czar for the Knicks has been twice. You would have you would have said he actually did that pull out a feet off, right, where he picked. Outside of the proven star range, he got a guy named Donovan Mitchell at 13, got Rudy Gobert at 21. Um, so he's he's capable of doing that. Um, so I, I mean, I have been talking myself more into the guys in our range. Yep. Um, I like that. <laughs> you know, I, I like knowing 
and trusting that you can find value. I like trusting your coaching staff to an extent where you're able to draft someone that other teams won't put on their, their, their board at all because they know they don't have the infrastructure to develop a product. Like, you know, we're not in a situation now where we're going to go out and pick Frank Nilakina or Kevin Knox and, and try to let them grow in literally the smallest development circle in the league. Like we are spending money on stuff that's productive now. I, I, I trust our infrastructure. Yeah. Um, so I'll throw this to you, though. Um, I mean, if you had to predict, right, what are, what's kind of your predictions on the directions the Knicks might go? I think the trade up to, to for Ivy does not happen. I think that they either stay at 11 and if someone fell that they have like a top five grade on, you know, say AJ is there at 11 and they had him five or six, they'll just take him. Right. But other than that, if one of their guys isn't there, for example, last year, Zaire Williams, Trey Murphy, uh, Trey Mann, they had guys and they all went before 19. So what'd they do? All right. We, we adjust and they move back and they still, you know, they got their guys in Grimes and McBride in the later range and then turn 19 into reddish. I can definitely see them moving back. I can see them having a trade lined up with Charlotte for 13 and 15, where they take on Hayward and, and uh, they wait. Taking on Hayward sounds good because that to me is a legitimate plus, especially if we move a certain other big contract on the roster. So. Yeah, yeah, we've got to got to help us grease the wheels to get Randall out for sure. If that's going to happen, I think no, trying to do um, the, the point guard RJ Hayward Randall Mitch is just not that doesn't move me much. Um, but I, I would I would call Charlotte and be like, hey, our our guys are off the board. You, you could come here, <laughs> you know, like you could come pick at eleven. Uh, and they, I mean. I think that makes sense, especially I would imagine they'd have interest in Durant. And if he falls, I could see, because I mean, Perrin doesn't, Perrin seems to agree with a certain philosophy that I've seen put up. Someone, someone really smart was saying, you know, don't take uh, rim running centers in the lottery. So whoever said that, I think they're really smart. And yep. uh, <laughs> I know Pacey I, I think Staten. <laughs> Pacey Staten. <laughs> I think Durant is a talented player, uh, probably higher upside than a guy like Mitch. Um, but um for sure. I think there's a better use of that asset for, for especially with the Knicks who do need a star. Um, but I could see Charlotte because they do have their star six, seven guy. Um, they have a couple of, in fact, um, they, you know, a, a center like Duran makes a lot of sense for them. So, yeah, I have Duran 11 on my big board right now and I put out my board and a bunch of people were like, why would the Knicks take Duran at 11? I was like, well, this is a big board, not a mock draft. Uh, yeah. I would not, oh, take, wow. I would, I would, I would not take, Darren at 11 if I were the Knicks, uh, but I would certainly let someone pay me to trade up and do that. Right. So yeah. that sounds fine um, to me. Uh, Charlotte, even, you know, Mark Williams is someone they get linked with a lot. I think they should be all over him. I'm, I'm high on him. When, when you have a nine, nine standing reach and you can move the way that kid does and you are skilled, like I, I, his, his descriptor on my board is just skilled giant. Just two words, because I, I think that's what he is, right? And, and if, if you have LaMelo Ball and you can get out a lineup that's just gigantic, like you got a bunch of tree trunks out there and just running around, you know, like 
all right, I, I think that's someone you should be in on. You know, so the Charlotte, if moving up for eleven to take Mark Williams would probably be organizational malpractice. Um, but yeah, the, if they move up, I think it'd be for Durant. But yeah, but the, the fans in North Carolina certainly would love to see you know Mark Williams stay in Charlotte. So that that would be cool. So well, half the fans, right? The other half would <laughs> <laughs> some Duke talk, and then the the other half would would be very livid. But no, I, I think that's someone they should be in on. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it, they would, if they traded up, it'd probably be for Duran, unless I could see them loving Eason. Um, if the Knicks were to trade back, you kind of mentioned that their guys were gone. Um, if the Knicks were to trade back, who who's the guy you think that they would say is it? You know, some of the names that come to mind: Malachi Branham. I, I like because I, I feel like Davis is. I, I can imagine Tom Thibodeau falling in love with Johnny Davis. I think Davis is the guy for them. That would be my guess. Matherin probably close second. Um, and then there's a chance they're not into easing like that. Um, you know, maybe Sohan goes or the lack of offense because they really have it. Like Sims is the only yeah, non-shooter they've I taken. I don't think they would take Sohan, sadly. I, they, I think they prioritize shooting, right? They like Obi even was a 39% low volume, but I think you bought the shot more than you did with Sohan and maybe Dyson Daniels improved. So we'll see. They definitely bought the shot with Obi. Like they were high on him. Part of that is buying his shot, right? I think yeah. the name that jumps out to me is literally who I had next on today's pod itinerary. So this lines up perfectly. Uh, you and I both love him. Jalen Williams, <laughs> you know, if you're down to wax poetic on him for a little bit, I think he would be a great bet for any team in the, the late lottery right outside of it. He's currently 15 on my board. Um, Dyson Daniels, 13, Mark Williams, 14, Jalen Williams, 15, to give you an idea of who's around him. I really like him. I think he's one of those guys that's capital J, capital G. I say this all the time, like just good. He's just good. <laughs> you know, he's just good at basketball. There's, there's, there's no overthinking to do. You watch him play. He can handle the rock and he can pass it effectively, productively, efficiently. You name the adverb, that's it, positive. He's doing it right. He's he can score. You know, uh, Nick's assistant coach Darren Ehrman got to got to coach him there at that scrimmage. I talked about this with Chip. He went seven of eight from the floor. He had nineteen points on seven for eight shooting. So, with the Nick's assistant being his head coach in that game, you have to think that he came away impressed, especially because we care so much about these scrimmages. It's not even like. The you know, Ehrman was coaching against Willie. I was like, no, he got to work with him. I, I would think that they like him because of that. And and uh, I don't know, man. Tibbs Williams's leg has to in, intrigue the front office and 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 talk Pause. to you a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> uh <laughs> but uh you can't let Stacy and I lose, man. It's like it's like we, we both turned 12 again. Um <laughs> I think they would love to bring in someone like him. RJ, Grimes, Jalen, Cam, you got something cooking. I think you got a little heat, a little spice in that that pot, you know, with that wing core. I, I would love that. Even if Williams isn't, you know, like the Eason type of super long athlete that I mean he is uh, super long like he's seven three I think seven two wingspan so yeah but the not as tall but yeah yeah the hand size everything like he's not that freak kind of athlete but he's still impressive right the measurements everything's still impressive so I I would love Williams especially if they traded back if they're there at 11 and wanted to take him um, I would probably think that that wouldn't happen only because again they're obsessed with 
doing everything that has plus value. Like they love to deuce. They love Grimes. They got those guys at 25 and 36, which is a double-edged sword because now you have Nick fans saying, oh, well, Deuce was only the 36 pick, so he can't possibly be a priority. Uh, but, yeah. you know. I, they I should was, have taken Herb Jones, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who's had a great rookie season, but people who act like that was some. Look, when you take Bagley over Luka Doncic, you know, you take someone over the number three pick, that's where like everyone saw that coming. But like Knicks fans would still complain about how do they not take Nikola Jokic the way just like 40 other teams, you know? Uh, that's where it's like, you, or not 40 other teams, but 40 other picks. Um, that's where you're like, at some point, a lot of this is just kind of luck. But sorry, I interrupted, but that's uh, oh, no, a pet peeve. No problem at all. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I had Deuce ranked 21st last year. I let out the expletive heard around the world when you took him in the Strickland <laughs> mock draft. And I was waiting, just camping at 25 with the Clippers, just waiting for Deuce. I, I wanted Deuce number one, Bones, if not him, for the Clippers to, to saw. I got Bones for them. So, you know, that's still a great pick. And it killed Clippers. me to pass on Bones, but I had to take, but you I had to take, take Deuce, Deuce and Man. I took Deuce and Man, yeah. <laughs> Dude, the, I loved Trey Man. I loved Deuce and I love Bones. Those are my three guards in last year's draft. So so us and they, oh, forgot Sharif. Those are my four guards in last year's draft. So wah wah. Um, but yeah, I, I still believe in Reef. Uh, that's for another time. <laughs> Shout out Oscar NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I would comfortably trade this entire draft class for all right. <laughs> anyway, um, Shout out Oscar indeed because he is cool. I don't mean to rag on him. I don't mean to make it sound like I, I, I'm exclusively ragging on him. He does great work with you guys at the Strickland. So, you know, we love Strick here on Draft Class. You are our third Strickland affiliated guest. And that, that's because I, I, I have a blast working with all of you guys. I just love the vibe and the, the approach and all of it. So, you know, to our any listeners that don't somehow support the Strickland in some way, they've got a wazoo of, of content and a Patreon with exclusive content, just like us over here at KFS that you should go check out um, to, to transition a little Tari, you know, some workout talk with him uh, that, that we mentioned. Uh, if you're New York, this question kind of popped in my head while we were talking about some other stuff. So I'm going to circle back here. You have such an obsession with high character guys, with gym rats, with addicts, with freaks, with psychos. I say here on draft class, we love our psychos. Um, what do you make of, of Atari's bad workouts? Do you care? Is, is this, would that be, would that count as a home run swing is taking a guy you normally wouldn't <laughs> because he's not super, you know, doesn't seem to be in, in out fi- in at 5 a.m. and out and before class in the morning every day into the gym. You know, do you really care about that workout stuff the way I said I did it? Well, first of all, I will say that there have been a couple of prospects where I've seen conflicting reports. Some people say their workouts are good. Some people don't. So keep in mind that there are teams with a vested interest. If you're the Knicks and you love Tari Eason, you have a vested interest in the Pelicans thinking that his workouts have been bad. Um, so that's number one. Um, or, or maybe it's the case that you know if you want to arrange a trade down. Um, I'm not sure that the workouts themselves indicate a like a poor work ethic from Eason. Um, if you looked at how much he has improved, um, I'll plug this. Um, I don't know how many of you follow Chip Jones, uh, but if you're into the draft, I would follow him on Twitter and subscribe to his YouTube channel. He had a great breakdown on Tari Eason. And if you looked at what he was in high school, he was just a freakish dunker. Um, as a 
freshman at Cincinnati, he met some good statistical thresholds and limited minutes that are always good for uh, you know interesting freshmen. But his, I think he was like a 60% free throw shooter, very poor free throw shooter, ugly form. The form has not improved that much, but he doesn't take his guide hand off. He's brought the ball in. And this is like super tech. I'm not going to take credit as some laser eyed. This is from Chip's video, which again, it's really good. Um, <laughs> but, um, but he improved his form. Um, he's gotten stronger. Uh, I don't think, and he's improved his handle a lot. I don't think those improvements happen from non-psychos, the kind of improvement that he had. Because it wasn't just like physical bullying. Yep. Um, he's his touch has gotten a lot better. The shot has a low release and he kind of like catapults it a little bit, but you can't argue with the results, both from the free throw line and from three. Um, so I'm not so sure that he would be a not, I think that might apply more to again what I mentioned with Shade and Sharp and not I mean, I'm not gonna say that it's like everyone has to play in the scrimmage, but when you particularly are someone who hasn't played, like do you just not want to play? Are you afraid of showing stuff? Um, you know, afraid may be the wrong word, but is there something you're hiding, right? Yeah, like like that first step, right? You know, yeah. it's kind of convenient that the only stuff that came out of Shaden at the combine were amazing wingspan measurement, cool height measurement, awesome Would you video call it of shady? him. Awesome video of him jumping straight up and down, you know, yeah. <laughs> like there, there are, there are NFL front offices that I know factually refer to the combine as the underwear Olympics, because it's yeah. just absolutely useless and no one's ever going to run 40, 40 yards in a straight line. Well, I think the combine scrimmages are pretty representative of, of what some NBA action might look like for these guys. I bring up Michael Foster jr. Here on draft class as someone I can see the Knicks absolutely Pick 58 Jerichoing, you know, if there's a team willing to sell their second round pick and and Leon goes, James, James, Jamesy, buddy, please, please drop 500K on a, on a second rounder. I, I really need, really need this guy in Westchester for a year and, and he's going to be our new Taj and a please, you know, like, yeah, you know, I can see them taking these combine scrimmages seriously. So I also see them taking shade and not doing anything seriously yeah. uh they were their but, front row for ivy their front row for a lot of different guys and and no shade in the watch so yeah and um but it's a, i don't think it'll hurt using the workouts um if they see something in that workout that they just don't like i think that but i think that would have to do more with his actual game and movement rather than um you know the i think the off the court stuff and if you look at his motor he's gonna be a guy that alternates between tibbs loving and who drives tips crazy, right? Because his mistakes, like I think he fouled out, it was a freshman, but he fouled out in seven minutes in a game. Um, so he's um he'll do that. But I think that if you look at the improvement, he's not, I think he will fit right in. Uh even though I think out of this draft, the guy who sticks out as like that kind of Knicks guy is definitely Johnny Davis. Yeah. Um we oh, did yeah. we did just talk about the second round. Is there someone at pick 42? You mentioned um and a couple guys. Um, there's one guy who comes to mind, especially if they went with Eason or uh, you know more forward wingy type players. There is, is one A-Dubs? guy. What is it? A Doves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's then then let's talk about it because again, uh, I'm being dead serious. I I'm gonna send you the document after because I I don't know how you're doing this. I told Stacy before the show that I was not gonna tell him the question <laughs> so that there could be an element yeah. of surprise. And the second time in a row, you have guessed my next question perfectly. Um, but that's exactly what I was gonna bring up next was, you know, between Malachi Branham if he falls, apparently his 
three point shooting, you know, as, as Rafael Barlow told you guys um, on, on the pod over at Strick is, is not looking great in the workouts. You know, maybe he falls late first. Um, Alondis, Bryce McGowan's Leonard Miller. <laughs> there are names there that late first, even maybe early second range that really, really intrigue me. And that also represents some major philosophical differences in what kind of pick the Knicks would want to make there, you know, look at McGowan's Miller, even further on that end of the spectrum. And then there's Alondis who plays like he is from the eighties. Right. So there's, uh, you know, a whole, a whole broad width of guys there. I was going to ask you philosophically, what do you want to do with that second rounder? For me, I think that's where Perrin is, is a God at finding good guys, good players, you know, like uh, Grimes, McBride, Sims at 58 credit yeah. to, to Sir Brock for that. Um, but it, it quick at 25, right? Like this front office is killer at killing those, those late round or late first, early second round picks. We didn't mention Yokubitis, but I think, yeah, you won. I don't even bring him up because we have, not, there's not, I feel like there's not even enough people that have watched him overseas to, to know like the improvement he made last year is real. And I don't want to just keep talking about he really improved and hype him up and hype him up for him to get here and be okay. So I'm, I'm not trying to put too much pressure on, on him to be good among Nick fans because you know, if guys aren't instantly amazing, then they were a waste and they were a project and yada yada. Why did we take another project? It's like, oh, maybe give Obi more than six games to to figure out what he's doing on an NBA court in a different role than he's played for the last four years. <laughs> yeah. So Alondis Williams, my favorite guy, Prez sold the hell out of me on him. And as I keep watching more and more tape, I just realize like, Oh, this is a kind of player that I uh, kind of just would prop up regardless. This is, you know, to, to shout out Prez for the eighth million time this show, because he and I talk so much about the draft. He really does influence my thoughts a lot. The Chris Bate guy, you know, is anyone who's large that can pass anyone who's bigger than they should be for their position. Like David Roddy, dude, I think he is so yeah. funny and I love him. I think <laughs> he's going to go a little higher. So he and EJ Liddell, I both love, but I think those are two guys who might go higher than they should just because Grant Williams is killing it in the playoffs and teams are suckers for getting it showed right in their face that, you know, a player is good and being like, oh, let's just go get one of him. <laughs> yeah. But everyone thought they were getting the next dream on green for the last however many years, right? So, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, Steph comes along and is literally like game changingly unique and generational. And teams are like, well, you know, quickly highlight him. We, we might have a, a mini Steph here. You know, Jordan well, in Poole. Quickly's case, Jordan Poole be is a better version Steph. of Steph. A better, yeah, that's right. <laughs> quickly is actually, but that's that's not hype. Quickly is already a better version of Steph. So just, he, just, just, you know, when he put the orange and blue on, he was <laughs> <laughs> second he donned the orange and blue for the first time. That was that was when he became the best point guard in the NBA. So, yeah. You know. um, but with, yeah, with, when you say this, man, wax so poetic on him for me because you've recently seemingly fell in love with him. Well, Prez has been hyping him up for a while. Um, I think I do think philosophically it would be departure, as we mentioned, the shooting, um, especially from their guards. They seem like they haven't drafted a guard who can't shoot pull ups at a high level. Um, Yokobitis is the closest thing to that. And even he's a pretty good uh, pull up shooter. But Williams is fun to watch, especially as a passer and in like you think about Alondis and Obi in transition, how fun that would be. Like obviously, quickly and Obi are fun together, but like the ball fakes, like there's two controversial names I've dropped 
recently. So going back to Jalen Williams, um, at times the way he uses his body, um, he has this combination of speed and size where he's not the quickest guy, but he is, and he's not the strongest guy, but I mean, you play basketball. So if you have to guard a guy and you're strong enough to guard him, but you have to brace yourself for that impact, it, it hurts you laterally. Right. And yep. if you're, if you're ready to, to move laterally and a guy puts shoulder into you, um, you're, you're at risk for that. Uh, Luca is probably the best in the league at doing that in terms of, he doesn't look like he's moving at particularly fast pace, but he's able to use that combination of size and strength. That, that old man's strength. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as I say Jalen Williams is like Luca, I'm going to get pushback. I'm not saying Jalen Williams is as good as Luca. The, the, the comps are so dangerous. I, I, yeah. I, you know, you could say, Hey, I think bones Highlands twitch coming off of screens reminds me of Steph. You think bones Highland is going to be as good as Steph. Yeah. No, yeah. I feel like <laughs> LOL plus ratio, right? L plus ratio. Um, but Williams, the way he moves on off, that's why like a lot of people are saying, does the burst show up? You know, he had the 39%, the 39 inch vert. I was like, it's enough burst where with his strength, it's a very fearsome combo. Going back to Alondis Williams, I'll throw out even a more blasphemous name. When I watch the way he manipulates defenders in transition, how he can throw passes with one hand off a live dribble, uh, just how he looks is like this big hulking guy coming down the court, hunched over a little bit, playing mind games, just like throwing no look passes. I'll say it. I've been watching winning time and I've watched a lot of magic Johnson highlights. You get some of the, like the way he passes the ball. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I think he's going to be a fun player. What? I've got a number 32 Mitchell and Ness in that closet right there. There you uh, go. That I, that I bought over lockdown when it first started. So winning time now has been pretty cool for me. Cause I, I read the, the magic first Larry book like a while ago and that, part of what helped me fall in love with learning the history of the league. Like after that, I went on a Hakeem Bender, uh, <laughs> a Hakeem Tate Bender. And now I think he's the third best player to ever do it. So I, you yeah, know, like Shwini Pooh would agree with you there. He, he, loves, he, Hakeem. he loves Hakeem with me. So yeah, that, that, that's someone I've got on my side for that. Chris Jenda. Um, but, but no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I, first of all, about being scared to comp guys to legends, but it's about the aspect. Of his game and and Alondis, you know he's some the name I throw out the two names uh the the Celtics guards both Marcus Smart and Derek White as as guys that he reminds me of just a little bit in terms of early offensive roles he could get into right think about what Smart was doing a couple of years ago think about what White does for the Celtics now like it's not a whole lot of ball dominance right they have other guys that but there's something about a chunky point guard in this modern NBA where I'm kind of in love with that archetype. I, I think Deuce McBride can be a starting point guard on a team that has a jumbo initiator. And I said that on, on cap or no cap and Andrew went as if I was saying, you know, like do, you know, Deuce being a locked for being a starter is, is scary, but I think that's the way the league is trending. You know, I think guys start in certain eras that might not start in others because of how the league goes. And right now we're looking at, uh, look at Luca. Now look at Tatum and look at Giannis and all these guys. So you got these big ass initiators, man. I think having a stocky, chunky point guard who can stop the POA and is a plus passer like, is, a, is an amazing compliment to those kind of guys. And Alondis so. gets to the rim at will, which yep. is the one thing none of the Knicks, Yagubaitis is the best at it. But and that's um, saying something. <laughs> yeah. And, but he is, he is good at getting the rim, but uh, like you don't have, like that's why everyone loves Sharif Cooper, right? Um, quickly is taking steps there. Deuce, that's the weirdest thing about Deuce's game. He should, like, he's a pretty good athlete. He can, he can dunk. 
Um, you know, you've seen him throw down some nice dunks, including that famous one on Cade. Um, but, and he's like, he's Jack. He looks like a linebacker, you know? Um, but he just loves that midi pull-up. Um, and then the second stint at the end of the season, I think he was just, he probably got chewed out for some of his mistakes earlier in the season. He just seemed to be channeling Frank Milikina on offense and just get out of Quickly's way. Um, I will yeah. say he, he put up an eight to one assist to turnover ratio. Hey, pretty impressive. Um, I love Deuce, man. <laughs> I think I Deuce is going to be really good. And I think that's when people are like, he hasn't proven it. Are we sure we want to go in with him as a backup next year? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Why, but, but why, why did he fall to 36 if he's going to be so good? Yeah, I mean, why? <laughs> why did why did Io fall? I mean, first of all, last year's draft was really stacked. Like every and I, pick, and the fact that I had Deuce twenty one in that draft means I'm really really high on him. Like twenty one's not bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, twenty five is the next lucky number. So, um, but um, but yeah, like a guy like Jared Butler went fortieth. Now there was you know the the heart issue, or whatever. But Sharif fell right. Io went late. Like it was just a really stacked draft, and guys are gonna fall. Um, Going back to Alondis, though, he gives you that elite rim pressure. Um, he has like saucy handles. Like you can see why Prez likes him. Um, big, strong guy gets the line. Um, I think he's a solid free throw shooter. Like, and the three point shooting was bad, but the volume was there. So that bodes well if you're comfortable taking them. Um, you, there's such a thing as being too comfortable taking them. Shout out Russell Westbrook. But, um, you know, like you're, uh, I think that, yeah, like he'd be great in round two. Um, and I think he'd probably be, I think that the Knicks, we, we had to sit through a year of a six, five guard who couldn't shoot because of quote unquote, the defense he brought, right? If you sit, made a sit through Alfred Payton, get me the guy who is what Tibbs thinks Alfred Payton is. And that's Alondis. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that works, right? People talk about, needing to hand Tibbs a certain kind of team, just uh, tell Alondis to wear six and (laughs) change his last name legally. be a lot slower and worse at getting through screens. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. That's ruining the plan. We're going to change his last name to Peyton. We're going to have him wear six and we're just going to tell Tibbs that Alfred's back and hope that he doesn't notice um, (laughs) that that's the plan, man. I I got one more question for you before I let you go here. We got to talk about, the other side of this center conversation, you don't want to take one in the first round. You don't want to take, you know, uh, basically the Knicks have a kind of big, they like the Walt Perrin big. There's a guy who went out online and wrote a very large dissertation on how stretch bigs aren't real. And then the dissertation magically vanished and New York Knicks got added to his LinkedIn bio. So we hired him. (laughs) Give me one name quick, a second round center that you'd like Coloco, Kamigate, whoever it is, who's someone you love. It's absolutely Coloco. Um, I think that the um, the like the people are talking about the shooting. Um, you know, he he had a good workout. Um, I think he shot well. Um, and so, um, but the reality is, like, he kind of can already what Prez would call fake shoot. So I think like he's probably like you know someone like Zeke Nanaji. Like you could see shout out Miles Turner. Um, not even Miles Turner. Like I don't think he's that level yet. But Zeke was a he was hitting open threes against the Knicks. He can hit that elbow, and so like he can do more in offense. I think mean, that's Coloco's in that mold, and then he gives you the mobility and rim protection you'd want. You get him at four. That, that's part of the reason I don't really want to take Mark Williams or Duran in the lottery, is because you probably can get a guy like Coloco. Maybe he goes in the first. He probably should go in the late first. I don't think he's that much worse than those two guys. He's the main guy, and then what? He's not a big. He should not be played as a big. And I'm very curious to see where he ends up. 
But there is a seven-footer who really intrigues me in the second round as well. Um, a man by the name of John Butler. who Love that. Who, who, if you look at him, he makes Chet Holmgren look like Zion Williamson. Um, I think he's about 20 pounds lighter than Chet Holmgren. Uh, to put it in perspective, Butler is 174. There was one player um, in the NBA last season who was lighter than that. He was also one of my favorite players in last year's draft. But it's more acceptable for Bones Highland because he's six foot three. John Butler is seven foot tall with like a seven three wingspan. But excellent shot blocker with a gorgeous stroke, and he's got some handle. Like he can, he's, he brings the ball to the floor. He's also very fluid. Can probably he can switch onto guards like. Like Leonard Hamilton, who is a mad scientist when it comes to freakish long Master. guys. Um, he had Butler pressing full court a lot, and he had the fluidity to do that. Um, I, I like He's not going to be ready to contribute for at least two or three years. But as maybe a two-way guy or like you know a project, I love it. Because like if he hits, that's something like Cam Johnson, but bigger. Or, yeah, Cam, Cam Johnson, but bigger, which right. I think we'd all take that. So. Absolutely. All right, Stacy. Last thing, anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, YM. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Talk about talk about who's a mad scientist for freakish long guys. Yeah. <laughs> YM. I know something about that. All right. Well, what do you got? Um, Pod Strickland. Uh, I'm doing it every week. Uh, do all look at a, the follow the draft coverage on the Strickland. Follow Prez. Um, you know, speaking of mad scientists. Um, and then the other thing I'll plug is, um, for those who may not know, I've been doing a pod with Matthew Miranda uh, on Believe Sports. Um, so we will be having one that will probably release either Sunday or Monday um, with a very special guest who I won't spoil here. But check that pod out if you enjoy listening to me on here or with Schwinn, if you want me to with another co-host who's not quite as, uh, as Schwinn. <laughs> or want a different take, um, you can find me there as well, as well as just on Twitter at StacyPatton89. Stacy, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone, make sure to throw him a follow. Thank you, man. I can't thank you. I can't thank you. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. And, and absolutely. All right. We are here at the outro, the conclusion of this episode of Draft Class. I got to let y'all know. I got to keep y'all updated. A little calendar update. I'm recording this on Friday, June 3rd. You're hearing this probably on Saturday, June 4th. Shout out my first day listeners. Um, the NBA draft is this month, by the way. We're, we're getting there, man. It is June 23rd. That means we have three episodes of draft class left after this one. I've got some really special guests lined up. I cannot wait for y'all to see who they are and to hear my conversations with them. We've got two more episodes coming after this week. We've got an episode coming on the 11th, the 18th. Then the draft is the 23rd. And the final episode of draft class will come on June 25th, two days after the draft. We're going to recap what the Knicks did. We're going to talk about how we feel about it. And we're going to definitely talk about how you guys feel about it. So until those next three episodes, until I see y'all, you guys know where to find me on Twitter at Chris Percy Island. And you guys know I'm always putting out draft content, food, Star Wars, whatever it is. Go throw me a follow, man. If you don't, that's all right. You're still rocking with me here on Draft Class. So your family, regardless, stay tuned to all the feeds. And thanks for your support. I'll see you guys next week right back here on draft class sessions over.